You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome, welcome to the Smoking Word. What's up? What's up, everybody? The Smoking Word podcast is back coming at you and always brought to you by CasaTheRock.com. You know what's up, everybody. That's my merch store. Um, if you want to support the show, go cop some merch. Um, you know the deal to celebrate 2021. I made all T-shirts $21 for the rest of the year. So we got shorts, uh, we got some t-shirts, we got we got a bunch of shit there. We actually got, if you were there this last weekend in New York or Rhode Island, I had a new NYHC 2021 print available. And whatever was left from that run, we got up on the store. So get that shit before it runs out. And um, everybody out there, to all my patron, my patrons out there, Mad love, mad shout out to everybody out there. And for everybody out there who don't know what the Patreon is, I know that you're a lot of dinosaurs out there. And I, I know you don't want to hear this shit. I used to fucking fast forward through this shit too. But listen, this is how you keep this shit rolling. Patreon is a is a way you can invest in the show. Basically, if you like what you're hearing, if you if you want to keep me killing time with you, you can support the show by investing in the show. There's four tiers, basically $2 tier, $5 tier, and so on. We offer exclusive shit on every tier, and basically everything goes back in the podcast to make shit happen. So, you know, everybody who's already jumped along and joined the family, yo, mad love to all of you and everybody who hasn't yet, be about it. And if you don't got a job and you're a bum, well, you can't be that much of a bum because you listen to this shit, so you got a fucking computer or a phone. At least you got to go and subscribe, hit those like buttons and fast forward it. If not fast forward, but you got to forward this shit and pass it around. It ain't all about money always, but you got to spread the word. And um, make sure you follow me at HoyaRock357 on Instagram. And also, you got to add the Smoking Word podcast on Instagram. You can write us if you have any questions, if you have um, want to shout us out, if you want to talk some shit. If you want to get threatened or something, you don't got to do cameo for that. You could just hit us on there and I'll, and I'll give it to you for free. So Insta, yo, on the Smoking Word podcast on Instagram. And I want to give a big, big shout out to Carlos Jao Calvez. Con Calvez. This is my bro. If this is you, Carlos from Portugal, one love. And to my bro, Frankie. Frankie, if this is you, Frankie S. I love you. Chester. Kate Reddy. What's up? Joanna. Kareem. What's up, Rev Up Kareem? Jay Reason, you know what's up? Diablo's Den in the building. Scott Soledad, what's up? Possessed of Loss, what's up? Jake Richards, Sounds of Resistance, Nick Lucchese, Thomas Frenchie. Welcome to the Smoking Word family and everybody else in my Patreon planet. One love. And to celebrate this show, who better than to get? My brother. From a chronothorn mother, Mike Dijon, a story is finest. Now let's set this shit off. Mikey, what up? What Welcome up? to the smoking word. Yeah, a story in the motherfucking house. <laughs> now, hey, you know what's up? You know what's up? And that's funny that actually, and all jokes aside, I literally had to call my son. 
I get flustered with this shit. And I was like, Jay, come over here. Oh, I can't get the microphone. And then he's like, just comes. And then like 30 seconds later, he hits a button and here we go. Exactly. She does this all the time. So I'm, I'm like a Neanderthal when it comes to shit like this. So I know, I know. She planned on going out. I was like, yo, I was like, only <laughs> until yet. you help hey. me out with this shit. Cause like, I don't know what I'm doing. So. Oh, hell yeah. I do that same shit on my side. I said, listen, just be on standby till this shit is rolling. Then you can do whatever you want. Fucking Minecraft or whatever bullshit. Exactly. But what's up? Good. Listen, I'm still floating. I'm on another planet. You know, I'm reborn. I'm rejuvenated. I'm, um, 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 uh, I don't know what's the word. Just it's from everything. You know, like I was going to say, the last time I saw you was at the park, right? Yeah. No, you had the park, right? No, uh, no, the next day, no I, next saw, day. I saw you. I saw you in Brooklyn the next day. All right, I saw you the next yeah. day, but the first time I saw you in a bit was at the park. Actually, I caught you guys in the park, but I was watching from afar. Yeah, and I didn't really get close. I didn't get okay. close up to the stage to say what's up. So I made it oh. a point to like go out to Brooklyn because got gotcha. you. Know, All right, because because you were in. You know, I I said to myself, I was like, "Yo, this dude like went through all this work." to come up and play, you know, I haven't seen him, you know, since before this started, you know, we were just running into each other on the road and I was like, I got it. I got to go see him because he, yeah. you know, he's, he's in, he's in the hood and he's like playing and like, it really helped me like feel normal again, just to, you know, connect with my friends, with my brothers to get to see you guys play. Cause you always kill it. And, uh, you know, same. I feel I feel rejuvenated. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's what it was. I was confused because I know I saw you one day and I mix it. You know, I, I see you. I feel like, you know, that I see you every day when I see you. So I forget which day was which and wherever it was. And I'm glad you were there. You know, I tell everybody, you know, if you were there or not there, even if you were there spiritually, even I was like, you felt some type of way because um, it's unexplainable. And again, I tell people. The show was the cherry on the top, the actual playing. It was more about everything else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, for me, it felt like uh, some sort of weight lifted off my shoulders, some sort of uh, lifting of oppression that I think everyone felt. You know, being you get you know, told what to do for a year and you finally get to do something that you want to do. You know, it, it it's like, you know, almost getting let out of jail or in, in, in some sense. So like exactly. Well, obviously, you know, not everybody's feeling that type of way as we see, you know, which is it's listen, you know, like like with all this stupid shit going on. Listen, like you said, you were watching from a distance. I know a lot of people that didn't even go because they didn't feel safe because they have um, yeah. family members with ailments. But they were like, yo, go, go kill it. And I'm like, hell yeah. Believe me, nobody, nobody, I'm not no anti or pro anything. I'm pro doing whatever the fuck Hoya Rock wants to do. That's what I am. Exactly. And, and I, and I got all my people's back. I just want the love from all my people to do what we do. And you know what I mean? And, and, and for the most part, that's what we got. You know, I had people yeah. say like, uh, you know, I don't feel comfortable going cause of blah, blah, blah. Kill it. I was a like, hell yeah. I had people saying, yo, um, fuck the mask. What are you? Come, you're all welcome. I had people say, I'm only going to wear a mask. Good. You're welcome. You know, this shit was everybody's day. 
It was sure. everybody's day. Sure. And, and I think, um, you know, what I saw when I was there were people respecting other people's boundaries at, at the event. You know what I mean? So like I went, I went there masked up because, you know, I have a mom, you know, I take care of my mom and, you know, yeah. she has, you know, some preexisting conditions and she hasn't seen my face, you know, you know, without yeah. the mask on since this started, because, you know, I feel responsible because I take care of her. Is that so? I wanted to go to the show. I came masked up. No one came up to me and said, hey, you know, what the fuck are you doing with the mask on and this and that? Everyone was respectful. I've even told people, hey, I'm taking care of my mom. I have people put masks on just out of respect. You know, yeah. so, so like uh, I feel like where all this scrutiny is coming from might be a little bit overblown because, uh, you know, you got to ask, hey, all right, if, you know, whoever's like popping shit, if it was a band, say, that they liked or something, would they be saying the same thing? Yeah. Be you know, would, would, would it, you know, if it served, if it served you in your way, would you be saying the same thing? You know what I mean? If you were there and yeah. you experienced what we experienced, would you be saying the same thing? So it, it's, it's something that, you know, um, you know, do people have a right to have an opinion about what happened? Yes. Uh, you know, Absolutely. You could, Hell yeah. everyone could say what they want to say, but like, you know, uh, but, you know, going in hard on something, you know, that is going on daily in, in New York. And then, you know, just timing wise, and, they, and announced like three days late, they announced three days later, just going to open the whole city up now. Yeah. And, and then it's OK. Then it's then OK. It, yeah, then it's OK. You know, so you like, know, it's, it's pick on the, the shit done from by the people for the people is the is the people that the the the, the, the people themselves are turning on. It's, right. a, it's it's a you know it's 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 a joke. Right. It's 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 really yeah. funny and it's fu it's funny and it's fucking sad that my, there's fucking our world is connected to that yeah. shit. You know what? My, my daughter's a frontline worker. She teaches pre-K in 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 New York City public school. Salute so she, her. Puts, she puts her ass on the line every day, and and she comes home, and we live together. So we're risking our our ass every day. So yeah. like and then like you know. You know, why can't I go to a show masked up and, and enjoy myself every day? You're, it's your choice. That, you know what I mean? Like, it's and, your and choice. My exactly. choice. My choice. And, you know, and, and I respect other people's choices. It, you know, it's just, you know, I think for what went down, you know, everyone was well behaved. You know, it was beautiful. Know, it was beautiful. The, the, the word is beautiful. And, and, and it's and it's punk. And it's hardcore, you know, since when is it supposed to be a conformist society? Uh, that's my, if any part kills me the most, right. is that part, the motherfuckers are siding with the government, forget your whatever beliefs, but they're siding with the governments coming from our mother, meaning the scene we come from was built on, do not follow them, make your own um, uh, your own opinion on things, Ta right. you know, open-minded thinking, listen to everything and then make your own opinion and then, and make a move on it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like that and uh, maybe siding with people that are popping shit on a message board too, you know, like, you know, say like, yeah, like that's fucked up. And then it snowballs. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. And you keep saying it, saying it. Um, again, people have the right to say whatever they want. 
you know, yeah. but, you know, of course. I, the, 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 the scrutiny, I just think is, is just under a microscope. And, yeah. and where do you draw the line? You know, how, how much are you risking your life going to, you know, Home Depot with 600 people in it? Exactly. Life, yeah. Or, or, or going, doing daily things in life. It's all right for or, that. Or doing this, you know, how many people have, uh, have done, uh, have made bad decisions with their life because of this situation, because they can't go and do stuff like this. Our culture keeps people that have borderline problems, keeps them sane. Absolutely. But they have this as an outlet and, you know, and, it, and it's, and it's, and it's been taken away, you know? So like, and, and that park and that show was proof because as far as you could see, all I saw was happiness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see one miserable person in that place. Number one, I never seen that many babies in years with their families that were there for the show. I never seen that many black kids and Spanish kids in many years, all punk kids, hard like the new generation. Listen, I'm getting goosebumps right now, Mike, because yeah, no. to me, I see the new generation. Those that generation in front of me was making me proud. These other clowns. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sad that uh, people are going to associate them with our world. You know, not that they don't agree with the show itself, but what I don't like is how they automatically make it some, that was some white power shit, some anti-woman shit. I'm like, motherfucker, if anything, we're pro-mothers. We are all gorillas that were raised by mothers. That's what these dummies do not understand. Right. We yeah. have daughters. You know, they don't know that because, you know, they know. Oh, they see a video and they go on, oh, down by low video, you know, crowd of thorns video. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, these guys are me as yet. They don't know you have a fucking um, exactly. You're taking care of your fucking mother. You have children. I am. I'm a single father. I take care of my. They don't know that. Yeah. They just want to. And they don't they don't dig deep into what our culture is in New York. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. like, if you want to like. We don't. We didn't tolerate any of that white power shit. Like when, when we were kids, real like, not exactly they, real they Nazi actually, shit. They were actually made an example of if they if if, if anything flared up like in Queens or the Lower East Side, you know, there was it was not tolerated because it was a you know our our family is multicultural, yeah. and and uh, you know so if you're gonna take what someone writes and and labels that event as that like you're not really an understanding of who we are yeah you know? and, and and it's crazy and it, yeah exactly it was like you know again I, I i don't harp on it as much as it is i'm still on the the, the on beauty the of it yeah on the beauty of it you know yeah. like we did meaning we not i mean everybody there everybody who supported even like again spiritually or in the flesh what we did that day was what every generation wrote about and claimed what they would do if the situation came. Sure. We did that shit. That's sure. the thing I'm the fucking proudest of my fucking scene ever, Mike. Like, I tell people I feel like the Hulk. I feel like the Hulk. And that's because from the people, from the scene, from that day, from everybody, like, yo, you know, I showed my son that. I was telling, I said that on the last podcast thing with Jimmy. I told my son, listen, look at you. See that? This is what you got to do. We this is something that we believe in. And this is what this is what your father does, because I want him 
to, to when he gets older to be like, my father fucking steps up for what he believes in. And what I believed in was my family. And that had to do with my family because that's what feeds my family. People don't understand that. They're telling me about like, I'm not, uh, uh, that how I'm looking at um, my, my disconcern for life. And I'm like, disconcern for life. First of all, I changed my life because I need to extend my life. People don't understand when I fought for life when my wife was dying. They, because people don't understand like what I did for life. I, you know, I'm a single father. I know what life is more than any, what it is to want to live more than anybody. I wouldn't do that to watch right. kids mosh. Right. But and, and, and I did it for my legacy as far as my son's going to know what I believe in. I'll die for it. And I wasn't going there to die. I was going there to live. That's the difference. Exactly. You look great, by the way, brother. You look yeah. fucking amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank and, you, and, Mike. And, and like, you know, and, and I know personally the work it takes to do that type of transformation, the type of dedication. It just shows you what your work ethic is and Thank how you, much Mikey. when you make a decision that you go and do it. You know, yeah. because you do the same thing. You just you applied what you do with your 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 touring work ethic and applied it to something else. Yeah. So it's, just, exactly. it's a reflection of who you are, dude. Exactly. And thank you. And that's what it was like, you know, obviously for me, it was a, you know, it was for my life to extend my life for my son. Cause the way everything went, everybody know the story, you know, cause my mom's passing the COVID and all that shit. But like I was telling everybody before, you know, I've been lucky in my life that I've, I've met plenty of beautiful, smart women that were not interested in my abs. So I never needed to worry about my physique when it came to the opposite sex. Sex, But so it was never a thing about, you know, oh, I want to, you know, get, you know, in shape for this. I know I want to get my health in shape, you know, and, you know. Sure. You better watch now, though. You're going to, you know. You, yeah. you're, gonna be, you're gonna get a call for the next Menudo reunion. Listen, I got my banana hammock. It's fucking hanging on the door as a reminder to get ready. So, yeah, watch out, ladies. But um, no, but um, yeah, you know, and then just you know, you know how it is. It you know, you find something and when when you have a reason to do something, you do it. And for me, my sons are everything, and that's all I need. It's it, that's a wrap, you know. Absolutely. You know, so I'm glad. But um. But the same shit. What I was um, what I what I was gonna ask you is, so before this, you've been home this whole time, right? Yeah, man. Are, are you working? What have you been working, and are you able to work out of home, or what's the deal with that? Uh, well, uh, I I've been working, uh, you know, sporadically on on movie sets, like oh, building, uh, you know, building sets as a as a set carpenter. So when how, all how this long you been hold on, how long you been doing that for? Uh, on and off for about three years, but like it, um, uh, my friend, uh, uh, Chris, uh, who's in that industry as well. And his girlfriend, Sarah, uh, uh, they, they're in that industry and they had suggested to me that it would be something that would work for me, uh, being that I had, you know, all of a sudden got really busy doing music and going on, being on tour all the time. And he says, it's something that you could do, uh, you know, in between uh, music and, 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 and it won't tie you down because it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of on call piecemeal work. So I tried it and, and I latched onto it pretty good. So uh, the, when the COVID hit, I was on a set 
uh, for for uh, you know for some miniseries, and you know they shut it down, and there was no work for you know for like yeah. ten months. Yeah. So uh, you know, so I shifted gears, and and, uh, and and then Sophie had moved in, moved back in. Uh-huh. Because she was bouncing around, and you know, when we thought this situation would be pretty serious, that this home would be best for her, you know, and, yeah. it, was, and it was the best thing that ever happened because you know that she's an adult now, and and you know, we're, we're hanging out as like roommates, yeah. and I wasn't alone, you know, yeah. through, through all this. So I, you know, I started cooking. I got my cooking game up. I um, my my yoga practice sort of came to a halt because all my studio closed down and I had to go in there like six days a week for years, you know, so that's like a major part of my life. So I had to shift gears with that. So I, you know, set up a little gym in the basement and in the yard, started working out there and then found out that a couple of homies, you know, the hardcore homies uh, wanted to start doing some cycling in, in a small group and just I keep it that. like this small group. And we did it all summer. I saw Every, that. That was dope. That was dope. That was great. That was great. And, and, and I felt like I still had my community, my family there while nothing was going on because we yeah. have the same things to talk about. So, we, you know, we'd ride 30 miles, take a break, talk, talk hardcore shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, talk smack, this and that. And that was that was great. And it carried me through the summer. And I was doing like 100 miles a week. Uh, on, on the bike. Sometimes I go out by myself, go on some long rides and, uh, you know, the, did some, you know, uh, fixing up around the house, you know, re- you know, did the yard. So work wasn't really on my mind uh, because, you know, I'm spending all this time with my kid again, which yeah. like, you, you know, I, when I was just younger, I, all I did was work, you know, music and work, music and work. And, and, you know, we'd only have connect time at night. So this was, actually yeah. a blessing yeah, a plus yeah hell yeah. yeah it was a plus for me so uh yeah. you know so doing you know doing small projects work here and there uh as far as like uh, music i i was able to compile a bunch of music until you know i felt that the routine was the same every day where like you know when you're out there doing life and you you could come home and whatever comes out of you writing wise, you know, it's just a reflection of w- your life experiences, but just became just too regular, too routine. Yeah. So, you know, I wrote what I needed to write. And then, you know, once things start happening out there again, I think, you know, I'll have a you know better yeah. writing experience. Yeah. People don't understand that. Um, um, that's what it is. Fucking um, putting your body and your brain through um, shock in, in ways. That's what stimulates fucking ideas, like going, going through shit, you know, because same thing happened with me. I was on the road. I was on, you know, I got a lot of music stacked up, but I hit it where, I, you know, and, and I don't even want to say a writer's block. Because to me, writer's block is kind of bullshit. It just means you need a break. It's not a block. Ooh. A block means, you know, uh, you, you know, you just got to slow down to, to rejuvenate. It's not stopping anything you know else you never had it like you know one of those you know what i mean it's just one of those things you just got to recharge everybody needs to recharge absolutely and and part of it is that because um i think because man this weekend again just playing again more than the actual stage time was just being around 
my people, the same people, people I don't know, but my our people in our world, that shit gave me, got me recharged. That's what I've been saying, man. I came back, I was like, wanting to fucking write more music. Like, I got ideas, more ideas on what I want to do. I'm more, not, I'm angry in a good way, like, sure. motivated. Motivated. You know, like, inspired. You know? Inspired. Yeah, inspired. Yeah, I got inspired from, from all the motherfuckers there that this whole weekend. And that's like not even no joke and no corny shit. All those motherfuckers there inspired me like what Luke Rhoda used to only do to me. Now I had like thousands of people that made me feel like that this weekend because I was like, dude, that shit made me. I was showing my son like grabbing. I'm like, look, look, see those people. That's where we come from. That's what you were made out of. Like, and that's what, you know, that's what we built on. That's what I'm showing you how to, you know, how you're going to walk your life, you know, and it's, and I'm like, forget about it. And I'm like, man, go figure. We, you know, we just some kids from Queens. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, Everybody, meaning all of us. You no, know? I, I, I feel fortunate to have this family and, and, uh, and, you know, where I felt like I told you before, like, I didn't want to pick up the guitar because life became too routine. Man, after that weekend, I wanted I, to come home and just started fucking banging on that. I know. And, and, and like, uh, you know, you need like you need stimulation. Yes. To, you know, to, to have ideas and, and get inspired. And, and like, uh, you know, before all this happened, I mean, either I'd be playing a show or I'd be going to shows on the regular. You know, because I like to, you know, yeah. If, I, if there's a there's a young band in town, people talk about, I go. Yeah, you. Right? My boys guy. are in town and they're playing. I go. If there's a, you know, something new I haven't heard before, I go. And then yeah. you know, I come home, play, 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 and you know, and yeah. and the ideas flow. So yeah, definitely. Um, now, you know, let me ask you this: So when you were playing, what were you playing more? Were you playing guitar or bass? Because you started playing more bass lately. Uh, I actually was playing more bass because of the, like the two years that I was playing bass, uh, I had finally got settled in with like the, the like a bass player's mindset uh -huh. as to where like, you know, when I, when I started gigging playing bass, it, it was all about, all right, I got to get this age of choral set down and I got big shoes to fill. Yeah, so I got to, you know, I got to play around. I got to get all the fills down. You know what I mean? And, and like, you know, I was tapping from you know, like how, how Craig played the set and how Harley played yeah. on the album. So uh, it was more about like not making mistakes, but then luckily I'm playing with, with Mackie, who's, you know, uh, just a natural R and B guy. Yeah. And he's still, you know, tell me simplify, lay back, hit on the one. And then, you know, playing gig after gig after gig. You find your spots, you know, yeah. I found my spots. I got really comfortable. I, you know, I knew how to, like, just get good spring out of, like, you know, out of one note and just letting it, you know, letting it ride. And, and uh, I finally felt like after the first tour that I was comfortable. After the second tour, I felt like a bass player. Yeah. So yeah, I saw people... A, ba a bass player, when you got that bass player state of mind, it's like it makes the clit this big. Like, it's just that big. You know, it's just, you can't, you just sink in, you can just tie it, just your head in it, and it just right. sinks in. It's just... Right. You could feel like you could flick it and yes. you just want 
and, and, and you'll hit the sweet spot. Exactly. That's because that's <laughs> what a bass play is. I tell people it fills in the gaps. I go, you know, that's what a, a bass player is, you know, like there's bricks in music, but the bass player be that cement that connects those bricks. That's what fucking it's gonna, it's gonna, it has to like, you know, um, mesh everything. And yeah. the good bass players hear that and learn. That's why, you know, it ain't always about being busy as a bass player. Not always, you know, and like sometimes simple, you know, uh, you have to learn how to use air when you're a bass player. If you're a good bass player, you know, yeah. you learn, you know, people say resignation, resignation or whatever the word is, I can't pronounce. But to me is the air. Let the sheep ship breathe. When you exactly. let shit breathe, then breathing is life, right? That's some yoga Absolutely. shit, right? Absolutely. And then, then like, you know, playing, like doing these like theater tours with, with like Kill Switch Engage and Clutch where you could, where you have the, the dope monitor mix every night, you know, yeah. you, you could actually walk around and pick your sweet spot to get uh, a note to stretch out, to get some sustain where like, I never thought about that as a guitar player because you just go like this and it and the sustain goes for miles. But if you're not aware of it as a bass player, it, it could just drop and go flat. Yes. And then yeah. and and then you're not filling up the room. You need to yeah. fill the room. Yeah, and, and you're right. And, and what's good, you know, what it is, it's like this. I tell people, I was like, what I learned was uh, this is how I see my band. You know, I see us, we're special forces. You know, I'm a Navy SEAL. Freddie's, you know, a Green Beret. Mikey's an Airborne Ranger, you know, and the other Mike is, you know, uh, you know, whatever the other thing is. And I said, I ain't going to tell you how to do your job. You're the best at what you, we feel you're the best at what you do. That's why you're in this team. So the objective is this, do this. Now do it at, you know, your special forces. So go now, zoom, you go, you go. I know what I got to do. And with that mentality, I think, you know, you could still be you and everybody feels like, you know, to be co right. cohesive. Right. Like you're, you're, you're a crack unit. You know what I mean? Like everyone has their specialty and when you're all doing it together, you know, you hope it works out. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're special ops. Not, let me ask you this. All right. So, um, so right now, so you're one of the, you're now that you, you, now that I think about it, you probably fall in that category of some of the hardcore dudes that were in a hundred bands. So, so let's just give it, let's start from the beginning. Just give me the rundown from the first band. I mean, official band, you know. All right. So the, 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 the first official band I was in was a band called Show of Force. So that's your first official. Okay. First now, official band. Yes. Real, real quick. And I'm going to talk about Show of Force. Cheeky just reminded me that he had sang for the one Super Bowl show when um, Randy was your singer, right? Yes. Yes. He couldn't sing, and, and you guys asked Cheeky, which I totally forgot about, and he reminded me. Yes, and he killed it. Yeah. Uh, it was you got to get a video or some of that shit. I, I, I don't know if, if there's anything I know. about that. All I know is that that was the first big, big show I ever played. Wow. So it was the- I was there, so I saw your first big show. That was my first big, big show. Uh, it was at the Studio 54 Ritz. Yes. And- uh, we didn't go on first. I, like we went, we went on second or third or something. And so the place is freaking yeah. packed. They had a good crowd. I remember. They had a good crowd, and Cheeky came out in his long ass leather trench coat. 
yeah. with a 40 in his hand <laughs> in a fucking paper bag like he was still in the street. And so yeah. he looked like some dude, that, like some homie that just rolled in off the street with a 40 uh, in the bag and, and just started like killing. He killed it. Yeah. He like, literally killed it. And the place exploded. I had never played a show that had that many people like go off for like yeah. one of my songs before. So yeah, yeah he... The, he he killed it. The, the band actually broke up right after that. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. I, was like, I had the demo, and I remember you guys had a good demo. Like, it was well done, like, produced. Like, it sounded good. It was like, I remember being like, damn, that shit sounds professional. Yeah, it was actually at some dude's basement in New Jersey. Uh, but you like, know what it was? You guys could play. All you niggas could play. We, like, with Demise... <laughs> We had the right attitude, but we sucked. You know, we got better as we went, but we had the right balls, but we weren't there. Like, we weren't no finesse in the studio, really, at first. Actually, I like, uh, I, uh, we, uh, we had Franklin, Franklin, yeah, uh, Franklin Ree, who's, who's, you know, he's Jackson Heights, Queens OG. Yeah. Uh, he's probably responsible for these like major bands that I was in later. Cause like, uh, like he, I met Franklin through Randy. He went, he went to Bryan high school with Randy. I didn't and know that. I did, yeah. Yeah. So like uh, Randy was going to high school, Brian, I was already out of high school at the time. And, uh, Randy was like, yo, I got this dude, you know, this bass player dude, this Asian dude. He's got like this Voivod haircut. You know, he's got long hair. He's got one hit, one, one side of it shade. He goes, let's try him out. So, uh, coincidentally, he knew Dimmy as well. So, like, and Franklin recruited Dimmy to be in the band because they did some other they did some other band together, oh, some oh, high school metal band. Or something. Hold on one second. Dimmy was in Show of Force. No, no. Oh, you know what? No, I'm getting I'm getting it all confused now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. He wasn't. You're bugging me out. I'm sort of I'm sort of jumping ahead. I'm sorry. All right, you bugged me so out. Ben, yeah, yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, yeah. uh, so he he was not. Dimmy wasn't in show. Dimmy was like probably 12 years old when, like, I, was, when, I, was in, say, when I was in show for. So I I have that all wrong. I'm, I apologize. Uh, so uh, so Randy recruited Franklin. Gotcha. And then when Show of Force had like sort of ended and, and broken up, we didn't do anything past two demos. We did a demo at Don Fury. Uh-huh. And, and we did another demo uh, at this place in New Jersey that, that Franklin had did like uh, a demo with like another band. And, you know, so like I didn't, I, you know, six months had passed by and, uh, Franklin saw a, a flyer at Venus Records on St. Mark's Place. Venus, I forgot about Venus. Yeah, that you had like go up the steps. Yeah, there, like the, you know, like mom and pop <clears throat> a vinyl shop. And uh, he saw a flyer on the corkboard that said Breakdown was looking for a guitar player. And it had like, you know, it was handwritten and it had a bunch of phone numbers attached to the bottom where you could just tear one off. Yeah. So Franklin tore the whole flyer off the wall so no one else would call. <laughs> He's <laughs> always been a little slick fuck, right, Franklin? Yeah, yeah, it's shady. Yeah, shady. Yeah. <laughs> so he calls me up. He's like, hey. He's like, 
breakdowns look for guitar players. Like you like this band, you know, like, you know, you're always like playing that demo. And I was like, yeah, he's like, you should try out for them. You know, being like, we ain't got nothing going on right now. So uh, AJ, AJ Novello, who I grew up with in, in the neighborhood over here. He, uh, Shout out to AJ. I want to get AJ on this shit, but I think he'd be hiding from motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's sort of recluse with, with stuff like this. But I'll, well, I'll you let, let him know. Let him know. I'll Say all your rock wants to reach know. out. Because also, you know, Leeway's one is, that's one of my, that's part of my DNA. Yeah, I, I tell him that too. I was you like, know that. Cool. You know that. Absolutely. I told him, I said, Hoy is always blasting leeway and, and oh, yeah. I'll let him know that you just put him on blast. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, AJ, like um, he had the seven inch at his house and gave it to me to, to practice to. So, uh, so I auditioned like two weeks later. So like not even like three months after show force had broken up, I was in breakdown. Oh, wow. Like and and playing games and and it was and that was a totally different experience, you know. So like I I you know. So I'm you a, didn't know none of them before that. It was just basically you you ripped that off. You met them then. You I mean I, I met I them then. Them. I mean I knew who Jeff was and I would see him around at gigs. You but know, not like, hang out really. No, we didn't. No, we didn't hang out. Yeah, we did. We we didn't hang out. So I was just meeting that lineup uh, at the time. It was uh, he was putting a new lineup together that was just after the where the wild things are okay so who was the real lineup you were coming into that the lineup when i came in yeah. it was myself it was rob defrosia from lethal aggression on uh, on on second guitar and larry Susie from sub-zero yep and on drums it was this guy joe farley who was uh, Rob DeFeroja's friend from New Jersey. And he was an awesome dude, good drummers, you know, solid, solid rock metal drummer. Yeah. And he was perfect for what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, and no doubt two weeks later, and this was, this was about a month before my daughter was born. I played my first show with Breakdown in Connecticut with Leeway. At this place called the Monkey Bar, and this place was packed. Leeway was like huge at the time. This was like late nineteen nine, like late nineteen ninety, early ninety one, and you know it's a completely different experience. I went from you know playing in a sort of a new band, yeah, to going and playing a band that has like a big following, and like you're playing this you know someone else's songs, but everyone's going off to it. Yeah, I was like, yo, this is fucking great, and and <laughs> and and. Our personalities in the band, sort of, all, we were all different types of people, but we all meshed well together because yeah, we had this, like, no nonsense, don't take any shit kind of attitude. All of us did in a, in a, in a different way, and it and it translated live. So yeah, you know, exactly. kids would go off, we would go off even harder, and um, and and then it's crazy that say like I was in an unknown band. And I go into this known band who's only been around for two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's nuts. You know, it's 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 kind of weird. You know, but uh, I saw you a lot when you were a breakdown. Remember, we I would see a lot of breakdown shows because yeah. I remember you being in breakdown like it's forever. Like, kind of felt like, and I remember seeing you like going specifically to breakdown shows in some of these. I remember one time specifically. It wasn't even a a, a regular club in in Manhattan somewhere. 
And you guys had, a, I just remember like hanging out and I was like, I went to see you guys. Cause again, Breakdown was one of my yeah, favorite yeah. bands too. And yeah, then I you mean, were playing with them. So I was yeah. like, oh, you know. It, it, it was, it was, it was wild because like uh, you and I, we, we started our first bands together at the same time. Like yeah. the rise and show force happened like simultaneously together. Exactly. So, you know, we were both young kids like coming up to, yeah. together. Exactly. And, you were doing uh, you and a story and we went Jackson Heights Corona and we were doing the same thing because it was the same. Some of the guys even knew each other and came up together and both bands were coming up together. And then basically the same kind of band in the next neighborhood. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And, and, and it, it, it'd be odd because it, it, it almost until we knew each other, Jackson Heights was like a world away. It wasn't yeah. a neighborhood away. It like we didn't know that there were these all these like dope dudes that could play. There was like these ringers in Jackson Heights, like yeah. Rob Buckley. Yeah. You know, oh and, yeah, later on. Uh, yeah, of course. A lot of guys later. Yeah. In general. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't know, you know, I didn't know these act grew up in Jackson Heights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, so when we finally sort of all met each other, our neighborhoods became intertwined. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, like, you know, the Astoria dudes before that just jammed with Astoria. Astoria guy, yeah, exactly. Right. But like when I was like, I was like, yo, like I got Franklin and, and, and Hector, and Hector, uh, yeah. Hector. Shredder, right. I remember Hector. Oh, I've been fucking forgot all about I was him. Like, I was like, yo, and then I started like jamming with him. I was like, yo, this guy shreds like fucking, you know, like Kirk Hammond and Slash like combined. He was only yeah. like 16. I was like, I'm jamming with these motherfuckers. Like, I don't yeah. get who's in Astoria. So yeah. we started like cross-pollinating neighborhoods. Now everyone's jamming together. And then that, that rehearsal studio opened up in Woodside. Uh, on the ground. On the ground. And that, was, that was our spot too, you know? That was the Mises spot. Like, we, we yeah. Got, my whole shit was there. It became, it was the spot because it was like probably one of the dopest studios for a good price in that area, you know? Sure. Yeah. I think cause like the, the guys that ran that place were like in bands yeah. and wanted to make sure that it was sort of not like a dump, like everywhere else we were like, I know yeah. that was like the first time we had real amps in the expensive room. Remember they had half stacks and the big yeah. metal drums. We were like, whenever we came into money, you know, whenever we did some, a little right, extra, a little extra curriculum room. activities, we pay for the extra room. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. So like, uh, so that place was almost like if you would like equate that to like a bar, yeah. that would be the watering hole for everyone in Queens because they were all going there. So networking sure. with each other. And yeah. now this guy's jamming with that guy, you know, like, you know, Franklin is jamming with Oceans of Mercy, you know, uh, like. You know, I'm going into other rooms like and just sitting in, just jamming out like, you know, oh, what are we doing? We're hanging out a little while after rehearsal. All right, good. I still got my guitar on. So, like, I'm jamming with dudes that yeah. I would never find myself jamming with unless that place was there. Yeah. Oh, so, man. That was, like, so many memories I had of that shit. Like, I would literally, we would walk miles in the rain to rehearse. You know, we're like, oh, to rehearse? You got re anything to be in that, to make noise in that fucking room. Sure, the, sure. The it's, shit it's you like, would do. It's like having shelter to do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. It's like insane. Now, let me ask you this. What was the first band that you did any real touring with? Was that what Breakdown? Because Breakdown toured, but they didn't tour. They played, like, toured locally always. Locally, like, yeah, yeah. So we, we did, like, the, 
you know, the East Coast up and down thing countless times. Uh, you know, uh, Jersey was a real stronghold for us. For some reason, yeah. like these Jersey kids loved us. So we played Jeff, our Jeff, time. You know, White trash, Jeff, you know, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. shout out to Jeff with the OG. Yeah. I mean, like he, like he had a, a, a way with the crowd that there were certain towns where they were coming out because <laughs> they knew his, <clears throat> you know, they, you know He's the his type of, his type of slapstick humor. Exactly. Yeah, they would come out. They would come out for that. And uh, so that what you know, you're right. We didn't we didn't do that kind of touring. So like the first real tour yeah. I was ever on was with you. Uh, it, it was this uh, 95 European tour, Mad Ball and Crown of Thorns. And, you know, it's something that Insane. was so life altering for me and for me we still talk about it to this day and it for me like 25 too. something years ago because for me too remember that's like you know like i remember that shit and it's and again that was like for us you know um the first time we were able to go out with our boys like okay we were cool with everybody else we've toured with but that was literally our what third european tour fourth european tour and now we were like we had the chance to be like yo we want to we want to bring these dudes out and I'm like, well, we're rolling up all our own, our boys. Like, get out of here. Like, and we're going to be in a bus or whatever. And we're going to tour around Europe. Get the fuck out. Like, I, I didn't even believe it almost. Neither did I. And, it, and it, it happened so fast that I didn't really have much time to think about it. I know. You know, in, in, in terms of like, of course, yes. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you're asked, but like things were happening so fast. I think we were only a band for six months. We, we were around like uh, I think our first show was in 94 Crown of Thorns uh -huh. and things had just snowballed so fast within less than a year. I find myself in Europe with, you know, with Madball, my friends, you know, every hold on one second. No problem. Okay, thank you, Miguel. Gracias. Yeah, Miguel. <laughs> Let him know, Miguel. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. Nah, it's all good. Let, 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 let Miguel. The door. I didn't want to be rude. He heard me talking. And I know you ain't rude, and I ain't rude either, so we got to let Miguel get it in. All right, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, yeah, so, um, you know, to rewind a little bit, like, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, Franklin sort of being the catalyst of like just getting me into bands. Uh, he had called me up and said, I'm that, you know, I'm at a jam at underground studios, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, I'm here with Isaac. And you and, were like, Oh, what you were like, and, you know, no, I, well, I, I knew Isaac cause I would see him in passing. Cause he, he was, he was actually like auditioning for, to play bass with, with Chrysipline. <laughs> and and you know and i would see him coming in with a bass and he would say what's up you know like and you know so we we knew each other but um apparently danny wanted to start a new band so he he set up a, a room for like five hours at underground and started auditioning guitar players but instead of getting them in you know uh you know this guy for two hours this guy for two hours he had all of them come at the same time so there was like five dudes plugged in, like all staring at each other. So uh, oh. Franklin, Franklin went to a, ah. 
Franklin's like, what the fuck is this shit? So Franklin went to a payphone and called me up. He's like, yo, he's like, I'm at this jam right now and I'm, I'm not enjoying this. He's like, can you come down and, and like just jam with me, you know, so I could sort of salvage this whatever's going on here? I was like, yeah. So I didn't know, I didn't know what I was walking into. Oh, you know, so I, I, you know, walk in and I see like five dudes plugged in and all this like different noise going on. And your drummer, Jeer, was jamming in this, this jam. My singer, Jeer. Jeer wasn't even my drummer. Jeer was my singer. In Demise? Yes. He always wanted to be a drummer. He was never a real drummer. Really? Yes. Wow. That's amazing. How did, how, how did, so how did Cheeky be the singer and Jeer not the singer? Because, no, Jeer was the original singer, but Jeer was... Uh, he had that typical singer syndrome where he didn't want to show up for rehearsals and, you know, and, or show up late and whatever. So cheap, you know, we always had people hanging out. So we would jam and we were, we already had the talks. We want to be a real band and cheek. And basically Jerry was slacking. Cheeky was in the studio one day and Cheeky already, we knew he had bands in the past, but Cheeky was there and we're like, yo, grab the mic. Fuck it. Just sing the song. So he started singing. And then that day Jerry walked in the room <laughs> Oh, shit. And then I think he got the hint. And then basically, Jir, I think, was moving on. He was going to go to school afterwards or whatever. Right. And then basically, Cheeky just kind of, you know, Jir always wanted to play drums, but was never. All a right. So if All he right. was there that day, you, that's amazing that he was drumming on that yeah. session. You, I, you, well, he was the guy that was behind the kit when I walked in the room. Poor Frank, poor you, and poor Franklin. <laughs> I love you, Jim, but not behind the drums. I, you know, it was actually it wasn't even him. It was just like this, this whole mishmash of, of noise and whatnot. So I plugged in and I just started toying around. But when I started toying around, I think everyone just turned around in the room and be like, what the fuck is this guy playing? Because I was like just playing some like off the wall shit that just popped into my head. Yeah. You know, because it, it was supposed to be a jam. They all end up sitting down and watched me, Franklin, and Jeer, like, yeah. hash out a song for two hours. Yeah. You know, because everything sort of just calmed down. And I didn't even think they cared that whatever. They weren't getting their gig. I think they just sat down and enjoyed whatever was happening, yeah. which, was, which was cool. And, uh, and um, I actually wrote uh, the first Crown of Thorns song at that jam. Like uh, Mental Masquerade. That was the oh, get at it. And you wrote that, 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 the first, that was the very first Crown of Thorns song, and I wrote the music to it. And and um and I was like, I was happy that I just put a song together and we got it done, and you know, and I was going home. So Danny was sitting there watching it, and he was all excited. He's like, Yo, I'm, I'll see you next week. And I was just like, All right, you know, so <laughs> so that's actually that that was the formation of the band right then and there and and how you corrected me before that's when franklin brought dimmy in because gotcha. he he had um played with him in high school and so we went from jamming at underground to dimmy's basement in astoria because mm -hmm. it was close to my house and and dimmy's mother let him set up a kit down there and let us play which is fucking oh. awesome yeah and and I kind of wrote the whole EP 
in his basement in like two weeks uh-huh. because it, it was just a completely yeah. different energy and uh, whatever was going on in my life, whatever mood I was, I was in, the ideas were, were flowing. And because I was jammed with this kid who, who had so much positive energy and, and Franklin was just sitting there like watching everything I was playing was like just writing baselines around it. Yeah. And, and uh, I felt free to sort of just write anything I wanted that yeah. I wasn't, there was no plan to sound like this band or that band. And I had accidentally stumbled on, on like writing something melodic and have it go into heavy, like, you know, some sort of breakdown, you know, like where you could just really dance hard to it. Yeah. And that sort of became the formula of Crown of Thorns where we could just swoon in and out of melodic parts, sort of like throwing jabs, you know, and then yeah. hit with something heavy out of, out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and we could, we could write a, a minute and a half song, we could write a four minute song and it all, all it all sort of gelled together. And, and, uh, you know, so, you know, Danny was super excited and when he wrote the lyrics to Mental Masquerade and it, it was sort of much deeper than like, say like a, a, an atypical hardcore song, you know, cause you know, he had been going through a lot of things in his life at, at the time. So if you lyrically listen to Crown of Thorns, most of them are love songs you know, most of them like, you know, experiences, uh, you know, heartbreak experiences, you know, with, with, with him and girls and, and like telling stories, telling comic book stories, like, like, like Juggernaut is a comic book story. Um, uh, the, we have, a uh, uh, no remorse is about like the usual suspects, like the, 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 the Kaiser Sosa thing. So like he, you know, uh, I think he tapped from Eddie Sutton cause Eddie Sutton would write, songs yeah. about movie stars and like, you know, moving yeah. characters and, yeah. you know, just do, you know, not so much, you know, like, uh, you know, the, what he, we'd be used to like, 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 like street lyrics, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, shit that happens to you, like altercations in the street. Theme, he had themes to some, a lot. He of had themes. Yeah. He had themes. And I was just like, wow, I really like this, you know? So like, you know, when we, when we came out and started playing gigs, we looked, and sounded just like some like freak thing yeah. all m- meshed together and, and sort of gained the following really quick. And um, like I said, you know, from our first show to being on tour with you guys was like eight, six to eight months. Yeah. And, and what was, and what happened with Franklin? Cause uh, we had this kid on base when you came to Europe, you had, um, what was his name? Um, Steve? Steve. Yeah. Steve yeah. O'Brien Steve was O'Brien. our bass player in Europe. Uh, because uh, Franklin had left the band to go play with 108. Okay, so he left that, and that's when Steve jumped in and joined the band for that bit, for that Correct. tour, right? Correct, yes. And, and you, you remember how, I don't remember how long, but was that a long tour, that Europe tour we did? It was a long one, right? It was more, uh, much longer than, uh, like, say, European tours now. Yeah, it was, was like, like, it was like at least five, four or five weeks, right? Five That's weeks. Crazy. It was five. over five weeks, over 30 shows. Crazy. I remember yeah. that shit just going. I just remember going through like stages of like, you know, from cold to hot and like cold and just hot and like. Hell yeah. We, we were on that, that beat the street bus. That, that these were, 
This was like a jet black bus that was, it was like a converted city bus with, with no, no, fucking, with no oh. air, air conditioning. And you and I slept in the lounge because we didn't fit. In the, I'm tall. And, and like, and you and I didn't fit in a bunk. It was too so hot. And we're, we uh, slept in the lounge together. I and these know. motherfuckers were hanging their laundry right <laughs> over us. I and we wake up. Wake up, you got fucking dripping laundry fucking from every all the time. Remember that shit? We throw that shit all over the place, like motherfuckers. Yeah, and and like you know, like uh and um luckily I had some hand skills because we wrecked the bus a couple times. (laughs) You know, like the 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 driver like you know uh knew that I could fix things. So I would if someone wrecked the table or yeah, you were there with a power drill in the morning fixing shit so we didn't get like thrown off our own tour. Yeah, that was the best. Oh yeah, it was it was it was such uh it 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 was such a life altering, eye-opening experience for me. I knew then and there I'd be doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like like that I just I just knew because it was such an epic time it, it going country to country with my friends yeah you know and, uh you know having people that never seen you play before because we were yeah. brand new bands our first european tour we had a release that was 2 weeks old no one knew who we were uh, uh, like we we were hitting like like b markets where no one would go like you know we would go to yeah. portugal we'd go to italy we'd go to poland everywhere we you know went. go everywhere like you know playing in these youth centers and and these kids were starving for music so like you know you hit the first chord and this you know you know small room 400 whatever is fucking going off it, it uh, it's a powerful feeling to, to to use yourself as a as a transmitter of energy yeah. to have people have that type of reaction. So like I, and, and uh, especially that toy, and there's a moment that, that you, that you always be a part of in my life because I remember the fucking visual. And not only that one, it was a, an amazing feeling for me as a dude in a band to, to, to have that moment and all that. But more than that, I'm glad that my friends were there to live it with me was when we were doing the the signing and all those people <laughs> yeah. rushed us, and I remember you holding the crowd back and you were like, run, Hoya, go. And we had a run. And we were like, what the fuck is happening? I was like, yo, I felt like the Beatles. Remember that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all, all we kept saying was uh so what what happened was uh they set up a a, a signing. They made like a few thousand mad ball baseballs yeah. and set up like a school bus yeah. where people would come into the bus. You guys were sitting at a table. You'd sign the baseballs and people would leave the back of the bus. So we're doing that for a while. And we were looking at each other, like kind of just like chuckling. We were going, yo, this is some fantasy shit. I remember that. I remember right? that. Like, like, like we were just, it, it was almost uncomfortable. It was like, very, we were like, what is this, us? And and I remember, because specifically we're like, yo, come Mike with us. And you were chilling, we with us. And we were like looking and laughing, like get out of here. Like, really? Like they yeah. want this? Yeah, oh. like, if, like if we were in, just say, if we were in the neighborhood doing that, and I like, know, we, you grew up like, Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of this! I know. So, so it finally had ended, and and we, they were trying to like move the band back to the backstage area, and they had like a minivan like waiting. And as we were leaving, a fucking crowd rushed the band, like 
like you said, it's like some fucking Beatlemania shit. Oh and and I'm like, like, you know, like, you know, I put every ounce of me like, <laughs> to try to like hold them back before I got like overrun. Oh my and, God. and we hopped in the van, closed the fucking door. And there were people like banging on the windows. Like, and, you know, you couldn't tell if it was like some fan, fan shit or like some zombie shit. It, it was, it was I, I, amazing. And like, you know, just that moment, like, you know, like, you know, obviously, you know, that those are moments that they happen rarely. You know, obviously, but it was such an amazing feeling. And, and to have you guys there, that was the best part was I remember looking at you specifically when you like holding them back. You're like, go, go. And I'm just like, get the fuck out of was, And then the next day we're playing some squat. Like it's a fucking exactly. dirty like, fucking... You, like flick mites off the, off the <laughs> know. shit, you know? But, yeah, but th that was such an amazing experience and and definitely gave me the the, the bug yeah to want to do that you and, know you know for the rest yeah, of my life you know and the, and the crown of thorns um album that was the first like uh was it then that had to be your first album in the studio like recording not a demo but like okay i'm gonna go in the studio i'm gonna record an album like a real studio well initially it was gonna be just a demo because uh, like bill wilson from blackout had approached us about doing an album, uh -huh. right? And he was like, all right, how about I pay for you guys to go and do a demo, you know, to see what it sounds like, and then we'll take it from there, yeah. right? So he gives us 500 bucks to go record this demo at uh, this place called Rockaway Studios, right at Rockaway Beach, 116, uh -huh. over there. And the connection to that studio was... Um, uh, Newman from Sheer Terror, the guitar player. Of course, yeah. Right? So uh, he took a liking to us. He's a great, great guitar player. Yeah, good real dude. smooth player, and he had his sound dialed in between him and and that dude Cheeky, who played that Spectre bass with no no fucking headstock. Yeah. That dude was nasty. So like I, I like these guys. I looked up to these guys and was really um, shocked that they liked us and that they took us under their wing. So like, you know, so, so, um, so Newman was like, Hey, you want to sound good? Go to the studio. I know the engineer there. There's like, like some, like some real gear. So we, we booked the, the time there. We recorded the demo and then Franklin took the rough mix of the demo and brought it to Steve Reddy from equal vision. And Back then, Equal Vision was just signing like, you know, uh, you know, like Krishna related bands, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you know, religious, uh, religious bands. Something like us was not even yeah. considered. He Steve listened to it. He's like, I love this. He, and, and he goes, I don't give a shit. I'm going to do what it takes to put this out. So what he nice. did is he he reimbursed Bill Wilson for the, you know, for our demo time. And then threw in a little bit more money for us to complete this demo, which became our first album, oh. uh, Train Yard Blues. So we went back in the studio. We brought AJ with us to produce it. I actually went to see you guys. I don't know if you remember, but I went to one of the either either a mixing session or something because I remember AJ was there or, or yes. Isaac was tracking. And I remember I went by and I remember that lady. I was like, wait a minute. I, I remember jumping in. 
visited yeah, the studio. Like, I remember you being there. Yeah. Cause like, like, it, like it was more, it was the tail end. Like it was sort of yes. like, you know, the mixing was starting and, yes. and it, 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 I just felt great because like, I, I like, uh, I just felt like my friends were behind it. Yeah. And, and that, and that like, the engineer was behind it. AJ was behind AJ it. AJ was there. Yeah. And that's you know what I mean, like, you know, he was sitting there, he was like, he was like, wait a second. These are good songs. Let's, let's like make this sound great. So he was sort of really militant with the engineer to try to get like a certain sound across yeah. the, 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 the engineer was new to hardcore. He didn't know anything about it. Which is sort of a good thing, like you know, well, yeah. if you want to have something. You got, yeah, you got virgin ears, uh, you know. You, right. You know. Exactly. So you could direct a guy like that to get it to sound the way you want it to sound, and uh, so you know, Newman told me he's like, "Hey, this guitar amp you're playing out of here, that shit is garbage." He's like, "You want to sound for real? Play this." So he like gave me his dual rectifier to play and uh -huh. when i when i pull my guitar into it and i hit it for the first time i was holy shit and i was able to like walk back and forth and and like sort of control the sustain and the feedback and then just be able to get licks in you know because the, the crown of thorns riffs are sort of like very busy yeah and uh and i think that was a a a, a wild card for, for the sound for that record because we had all these like heavy hitters that were had a vested interest in us sounding good yeah yeah and, yeah, and yeah. we feel that we're in the room with these guys and we can't let them down so all that group effort will end up being like the final product for the train your blues release yeah and you could tell because the the, the album you know it sounds big you could tell it was well thought out. That shit was in a rushed album. You know, you could yeah, tell. Yeah, right? yeah. We, we, like, just, we just sat and, you know, and really dialed it in until we were happy with it. And yeah. and I don't know, that the, the record in total costs like under $2,000. Like, yeah. so, uh, so that, you know, that was a, a real, like, confidence booster for me to go into the next album where I'd be like, yo, like if I could do this, I could fucking top that. Yeah. And then uh, we'll end up getting, you know, moving on to profile records and doing mentally vexed with them. And then we got bigger budget yeah. and, you know, uh, fortunate enough to go to Normandy sound and, and, you, you know, you have, that, you have that experience. Huh? Mentally vexed was recorded in Normandy. Yes. I didn't know that. And if I did, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, it was it was sort of it wasn't going to happen because we didn't get the budget that that studio is usually accustomed to getting. Uh -huh. So, but we were like, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'll forfeit my publishing advance. I don't give a shit. I made I made Danny forfeit his public advance. You know, like something that if we were thinking about that now, we'd be like, hell fucking no, yeah. no way would we do that. But we did it anyway. You, invest, just, you invested in yourselves. You, you know. You, yes. You, you yes. Felt and, you went back to that much. Yes. Like, like, uh, so like, um, everyone like in the neighborhood was like, you know, saying Normandy is the shit. Everything that we heard coming out of that place just 
sounded amazing. Like, you know, like if you had a demo and then you went to go to play in Normandy, you sounded sound like a different band. Like if you, if you listen to the Enforcer demo, you know, and then hear Born to Expire, it sounds like a different band. Like, you know, just the, 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 like the preparation involved in going to a serious studio transforms you as a band. So I was very grateful that we were able to make it work with the budget that we had to go in and really vexed and get that album. And then you did that. So that's so. And then what I remember of a recording session that became kind of, you know, pretty funny that's been passed around a bunch of times was recording um, the two songs for Scarhead, the first two Scarhead songs. Oh my God. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's. Let me tell yeah. you that's some of the that's some of the greatest shit right there. Um, in every way from the story to that's another that's another time I remember your face specifically looking at me. You were looking at me kind of funny because you were tripping on fucking uh, uh, masculine acid. Oh my song! Are we like, on? Listen, Jimmy. If anybody a quick recap who hasn't heard. Long story short, uh, Scarhead was you know a typical Isaac fashion. You know it's. Like a fucking whirlwind. Yeah, we're going to the studio. We're gonna write these songs. Everybody, if you got an instrument, you're coming. You know, kind of thing. And um, we end up in a van, and Jimmy Gestapo had given Ezek a, a whole bunch of, of acid. It was, you know, yeah, it was acid or something, mescal acid. And we're in the van, Bundy, a bunch of us. Obviously, you know, we're rolling like ten of us to this recording studio, yeah. and and Ezek goes, "Yo, Jimmy, gave me these hits of acid." So we all start taking them. But Isaac takes the whole place, the, the, the cellophane, and just like eats it and licks it. And that was like a lot. <laughs> Long story short, we start tripping balls. Like oh, we man. couldn't, we couldn't even talk. And I, somehow we end we found the studio. Yeah. I remember and, we, we got lost trying to find the studio. Oh, so you were in the car when with I, us. I thought we, we met you there. Like, no, 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 we were that. we we were together. We were together in the car going. Right, and we were, we were lost. We couldn't find a studio, and uh, Bundy was with us as well, and he was tripping too. And the payphone, remember the payphone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like like fucking. We're like trying to find this place, and Bundy and Bundy's going. You know, he's like, "Yo, fuck this recording shit. Let's go get some ice cream," because he's like tripping, right? And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, we got for it. He goes, yo, fuck this record. Yo, go, oh go buy me God. some ice cream, motherfucker. And, and then like, yeah, and we get there and, and. Oh my God. And I start, I sat on the, I remember you, me and you were sitting on the floor and I'm trying to write the riffs for the first two Scarhead songs on the spot. And I'm staring at you. And, and you're staring at me. I'm like, you look at, and, and like, I'm looking at you. And I'm like trying to show you songs and you look at me and you're like, you're a funny looking nigga. You were tripping your balls off. So I don't know what the fuck I look like. I was bugging. And the best part was, so everybody out there, you know, you know, I, look at I, to the grave. I'm bass all day, but I played two strings and I'm a gorilla bass player. I, at the time I had bought, you know, I went to the store and I seen this bass that said, yo, let me check it out. It was on sale. And I grabbed it. I go, whoa, this neck feels fast. I feel like I could play smooth. Fuck it. Let me buy it. What do I know? Well, long story short, I learned it was called a fretless bass. <laughs> well, I had to learn. You the one who showed me what I had to do on that recording. So anybody who has the, what was the name of that compilation? 
Oh, I think it was the New York's Hardest. So if you have the Scarhead, New York's Hardest uh, compilation with the Scarhead tracks, those two songs, we are heavily, not Mike and Demi, but the rest of us were heavily under the influence of acid. And <laughs> I had just got a fretless bass that I did not know how to play. And I remember this part. You told me, you were like, oh, shit. Yo, fretless. Yo, that's dope. Yo, you crazy. And you were like, yo, so... You know, you know, you got to play the the, the the lines, right? And I said, yeah. what? And you were like, yo, you got to play the lines because since there's no fret, you told me you got to play the. And I was like, oh, my God. And I got to yeah. record. I was like, <laughs> and, then the and that's why I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And the, the beauty of that is that we utilize the fretless because the, in the, in one of the songs, it, there's a breakdown and you went, yeah. it's like mad slide. It sounded so fluid because it yeah. was a fretless. Yeah. That, that we, you know, we actually, it, it, was, it, was, it was just one of those nights that yes. like, I didn't plan on it. You didn't plan on it. Danny, Danny has a name for a band and recording time with no songs. And I'm just like, yeah, that shit came out hard. It did sound great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking balls. It has fucking balls big yeah, time. Yeah. We, had, we, we actually, we did a couple of gigs, you know. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah, it was fucking uh, fun, man. Yeah, hell yeah. And then, okay, next band. What's the next band after that? Because there's still a couple of bands in the Mike Dijon experience. <laughs> so, so, so the, the, so there was sort of like a, a, a low period between like 93 and 95, where there wasn't much going on. I think like when like Mad Ball, Crown of Thorns, H2O, District 9, Fahrenheit, like these were the new bands that like by the time 95 rolled along, like New York was like cranking again. Yeah. So uh, around like 96, I reformed Breakdown again with Jeff, you know, because when there was nothing going on, we sort of did a hiatus, I dedicated all my time to crown of thorns and then the second wave in my breakdown experience happened which was the greatest yeah uh because um you know because i'd been to the recording studio twice with crown of thorns i you know i had more experience i, I was you know work with engineers that made me more disciplined uh we went right in and you wrote and recor uh, recorded blacklisted uh, and then, you know, sort of just kept it going. We, we did three albums in three years. We did, uh, we did blacklisted plus minus and battle hymns for an angry planet consecutively and really started touring from, from there on. So like my first breakdown European tour was with uh, it was breakdown turmoil Shout out to Turmoil, my Turmoil, boy. hard, my underrated, boy. completely yeah. underrated, tight, hard fucking band that I don't think much people got here. But in Europe, yeah, man, they, they were a, a monster out there. Yeah, blast with them. Our second, like I think it was our second tour out there was a Madball Turmoil. Yeah, shout out to the Turmoil. Yeah, hi, shout Turmoil, out to all, Blue, all of them. Yeah, man, and 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 Rikers. And it was breakdown turmoil Rikers. That was the pack. Shout out to Rikers. Shout out to all my Germans out there. You know, we have a lot of German followers of the smoking words. So shout out to all my, my Deutsch people out there. Yeah. Danke Deutschland. Yeah. And also like, uh, you know, and, th and that tour was another life changer for me because um, 
I gained a lifelong friend from that one tour, which is, you know, your, your fellow base mafia, you know, member, you know, Chris Luft. Yes. So, uh, Shout out to Chris Red. Yeah, man. Like, uh, uh, you know, we sort of just clicked, you know, on, on that tour and we always stayed in touch. And, um, and I really, I've hung out with him more than some of the people in my zip code in, yeah. in the last 20 years, like all over the world. We vacation together. We, you know, whenever he's in New York, he stays at my house. My house is his house and vice versa. You know, we, we, we hook up in LA, you know, they're, they're Germans. They like to travel. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, a so th that, you know, having a, a, a guy like that of the same mindset that, you know, you know, he's a, a working Joe like me and, and, you know, and he makes it happen. So like whenever I was down and I think I can keep it together, I could always talk to him, but, you know, because we're going through the same thing, you know, the, uh, you know, ups and downs of life and trying to keep your music going forward. Yeah. So, uh, and that was a crazy tour. Like, uh, um, I had to, uh, in the middle of that tour, I had to fly home for my daughter's communion because it was in the middle of the tour. I flew home. That's great. Did the communion, flew right back on tour the next day, but we were missing. <laughs> I was going to miss two gigs. Bless you. And, um, uh, so AJ did the whole tour with us so he could cover those two, two shows while I was gone. So we didn't have to cancel any shows. So I, it, it was a great experience and another learning experience to like my childhood friend who inspired me to play music, you know, cause I looked up to him because like yeah. no, no one could play like him. Like, you know, like you AJ's know. the head field of New York hardcore. Yeah, man. He, no one had a, a quicker right hand or, or was more focused on, on like playing yeah, tight and, and, music. and tight as yeah. And, 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 and like, he's the head field of New York hardcore for, for, for sure. For sure. For sure. You know, and then there I am, you know, you know, he's on one end of the stage. I'm on the other end. I'm playing with my childhood best friend and we're on tour together. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, and that solidified, that's it. This is fuck this. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, in some way, shape or form. If I could play, I can't play. I'm with, this is my family for life. And, uh, so that three years was busy. We went to, you know, we, we did two European tours. We did a, uh, we did a European tour for a month as well with Backfire mm -hmm. and Maximum shout Penalty. Shout out to Backfire and shout right. out to Maximum Penalty. Yes, yes. And, and, and Richie, Richie McLaughlin, you know, God bless his soul, who, who just passed away. Rest he was peace, actually Rich. the guitar player in Maximum Penalty at the time. So that's where, like, I really connected with him and, and, and Jimmy Williams and, and Johnny Chow. Who Shout played out to Johnny motherfucking Chow. Buffalo Johnny Chow. Zero right? tolerance. In the zero tolerance. And, and, you know, you go from zero tolerance to playing an MP. I didn't, you know, I didn't know him. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know how it goes. You bond with people on tour. And, you know, we'd always say what's up. And then, you know, when I saw him in Stone Sour with Roy, I was just so happy oh, yeah. for him. Me too, man. Me yeah, too. man. Like, uh, so... <laughs> So that, you know, we did that tour. We, we went to Japan. We toured in Japan. And, um, you know, so things sort of sort of fizzled out, you know, around like two, you know, 2000 after those, you know, after those tours and whatnot. And um, so I was looking to start 
a new band and and uh i connected with uh ziggy uh jamie york who's mm -hmm. who does the photography now uh, yeah we, we did like a, we did an alternative rock band called kalel yep so it was all i seen him but he posted a picture not too long ago and i was like oh shit yeah he looked like that. he looked like like a fucking like a model and shit yeah like, yeah looking, like you know he had his he had the dreads and like uh you know we did like this professional photo shoot yeah. and, and like uh same deal like we were like playing gigs locally and people started showing up like crazy like but it was different like it wasn't slam dancing it was like guys girls girls sort of like bumping and grinding up front i was like yeah. shoot i like this too yeah i like <laughs> that a lot yeah so so uh i you know uh, like maverick was like looking at us for a minute you know what I mean? Uh, you know, we did, you know, so like, like, a like a 10 song album that Century Media ended up putting out, but it didn't get much promotion or like, yeah. like, uh, uh, they did what they can, but I, it got sort of like torched in the reviews because it was a hardcore guy trying to do something else. So, yeah, of course, people yeah so like, you know, uh, you know, so I, I, I kind of like, I accepted, it, you know, it was just whatever, I, you know, move on you know, do the next thing. Amen. So around that time, uh, going back to the Madball tour, you know, the Crown of Thorns Madball tour, Maddie and I were, you know, we were drunk on the bus and like, you know, we were like, yeah, let's open a recording studio. That should be fucking dope. Blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, let's fucking do it. And I don't know, like two years later, Maddie calls me up. He's like, yo, like I got this other dude up in Boston, Dean, that, you know, uh, is looking to move to New York. You know, you still want to do that recording studio? So I was like, yeah, why not? You know, so like, you know, we found a spot in Dumbo and Matt, Matt Henderson, your, your, your brother from Madball, myself yeah. and, and Dean, uh, who, Baltolonis, who played in, uh, he played in like 454 big block big he was block. involved in that like that new england scene and he was the engineer so we opened up a studio called atomic in brooklyn and maddie moved to new york and and dean moved to new york and we kept the place open for about 10 years in in brooklyn and in long island city it was that long 10 years yeah yeah, yeah. i remember then you moved and then i went i visited the other spot also right the other spot ironically uh was a, a hip-hop studio called power play where uh the krs1 uh album oh was that was power play i didn't know that yes and i was there i saw when um bd was doing something for one of the projects there i stopped by one of the the mashup projects you guys are doing but bd was playing with one of these you know, all-star jams. Yeah. Oh, they were doing, uh, he was playing with Scott uh, with, with Vogel. Yeah. Doing, like, SOS band. Yeah. SOS. And that, I remember I stopped by that studio. They were doing it there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, you know, we kept that place going in some way, shape or form, like moving the studio from here to there. And it still exists up in New Hampshire now. So we moved all the gear up there and like, you know, Dean, Dean keeps the studio going up there so that that in the early 2000s that place took up a lot of my time and i i moved into like doing pr producing producing records and you know and uh and maintaining the place keeping the place going 
And, you know, we ended up doing the No Warning record there. We did a couple Sick of It All records there. Like, uh, we mixed the AF uh, live record there. Uh, and it was an opportunity for me to just have my own place to, you know, just jam and write. So uh, that's, that's when I, I, I had start, I started another rock band called Laws of Gravity, uh, female fronted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that, that took a while to put together because like, you know, I, I auditioned the, you know, just through CDs and cassettes, a lot of girls. And then through like Craigslist, I connected with um, Rebecca Haviland and uh, who comes from like a singer songwriter R&B background. Yeah, she was killing it too. So yeah. All right. So with her, what, what was the name? No, no. So, so when you first started, it was with, with that band with her. Yes. And yeah. then after you changed, right? Okay. Yes. Yes. Because okay. like we, we had written a whole batch of like alternative rock songs. Cause we were both like uh, influenced by Led Zeppelin and Soundgarden. And we, we wanted to be that sort of heavy, slow, grindy yeah. uh, style with, with a girl with high range with, with pipes. Yeah. Because I, I was into bands like, you know, like into another, you know, where the guy, where Richie is, you know, very, uh, has a lot of range, very versatile yeah. and the bad brains. And I love Zeppelin and I love Soundgarden. So I wanted to do something like that. Yeah. And, and she was more than skilled and willing and, and capable. And, and we really uh, clicked well as a songwriting team. So, but like 20 songs later, Dean was our producer and he's like, Hey, he's like, you're not, you know, these songs are good, but, she seems more suited to like do something more dancey, something like pop. And he's like, you should start writing pop tunes. And I was like, uh, it was, it was something that was new to me that I was, I was afraid. I was like, I can't write stuff like this. He's like, like, he's like, yo, you write hooks that people remember, you know, in hardcore songs, you're a writer. He was like, just listen to this music for a while and do your rendition of what you think a hook is. Yes. So I sat home and I watched MTV for like two weeks, you know, just like, you know, watching like yeah. you know, whatever was in at the time, like Britney Spears or whatever it was. And, and did my rendition of what I thought a pop tune would be, which led up being sort of a mashup between like what, like Lady Gaga meets like Susie and the Banshees meets like killing joke, you know, like, like all these different, you know, influences because I've influences from the past, you know, or, or, you know, even club music from when we were kids, you know, like hearing like diamond girl or, or, you know, you know, so like, uh, so we changed the name of the band. We, we called it Lava Let. And, uh, and then we did very, very dancey type tunes. And when we started playing them live, people were going nuts. You know, like, like whoever was in the room, we were playing a small club, we were playing a, like a bigger club. So people would just start dancing. And I was just like, wow, amazing. So, um, you know, so we were like, um, me and Rebecca were hanging out and I got a, um, I got an email from Ray Parada, the Ernie Parada's brother who, uh, who was in, um, he was in abomination, in like the late eighties and, and uh, he moved into doing 
say like like vid, you know like video production and and movies and stuff like that he's like i i just did this video for walter schreifels from the gorilla biscuits he did an af cover uh, acoustic of society suckers he's like check this out let me know what you think of it so the video was cool but i was just like wow look how did walter like mash up this song to like make it sound like that it's, it was it was i thought it was brilliant so uh i showed it to rebecca and i was like listen to the original of the song it's a punk rock you know hardcore song she's like oh wow i was like i was like do you want to try something like this and she's like yeah sure so we you know so we started like sifting through different hardcore songs and she loved the lyrical content of Malfunction, you know, by the Chromags. And, you know, I, I wrote some keyboard lines that were, didn't have anything to do with the original song and um, sort of wrote a different structured song. And she used the lyrics and her own melody line to create this Chromag cover. And uh, my friend Blake Farber, uh, who, you know, he's a hardcore kid and, and you know, he, into doing videos as well. He loved the song and, and he did this video for us for nothing. Like, and, and, uh, because cool. it came out cool too. Yeah. It was like really kind of dreamy. Real video. Like, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know, he kind of like, he had us like play the song double fast and then like slowed the speed down on the, you know, yeah. on the, on the table, I don't know what the fuck he did, but like it looked, everything looks slow motion and dreamy in, in the video. And the day like it got dropped, the fucking video went viral. And like this whole like shit storm of people like talking shit about the song because it's like a fucking, yeah. you know, pop song. And we used, we used some like auto tune shit on it, like intentional, like just a, like, some lazy that feel. Yeah, to give it that feel. Yeah, just to give it the feel. Like if you're gonna go in on of something, of course, like that, exactly. You go deep. Go. Don't do it half-ass. Go fucking all the way. Who cares? So um, that uh, that sort of our day in the sun with that band, like was yeah. that was you that the, yeah that, that that and the controversy for that and the that controversy behind it. You know, like you know, you know, some of the guys in the band dissing it. The other guys in the band like it. You know, uh, you know, like hardcore per se purists. Yeah, you know, but heard about it. You know, we were getting sort of like death, not death threats, but people calling out that we should be beat down. Yeah, it's so fucking stupid. It's, it's so fucking bunch of morons. Yeah. But in all fairness, when we were young and we were carrying that flag like that, we didn't want nobody touching our pure music. You know, we looked at it in that way. At least I did it a little bit when I was, you know, then later on when I wanted to try something new, I'm like, fuck, man, I had a big mouth when I was younger. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, what, who I don't give a, a chance to is any old motherfucker saying that. If you're fucking 20, 21, 22, and you're talking that shit, now, right, you're a dumb kid. You know, you, you don't know better. Right, right. If you're a grown up and you're talking that shit, you, you, you don't have to like it, but to be like that butthole, hurt, butt hurt over a song you didn't even write, maybe, you know. Right. Fuck exactly. That. And even if you did write it, look at it as props. Somebody else fucking felt your song that they wanted to do their ver version of it. Right. You know, I, exactly. I mean, to like uh, the, uh, Paris actually contacted me when the song dropped because he saw that it was going viral. 
and, and just politely asked me to just, you know, put on the YouTube page where the publishing should go to because, you know, I'm whatever, you know, no, I, 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 did it. I did it. And, but, but after I did it, he come, he goes, you know what? Song's great. You know, it works good. Good job. So I was, I, I took that as, you know, all right. Yeah, I, I, the guy. I, yeah exactly. I did, yeah. A, I did yeah. an, homage, an homage, you know, to, to, you know, one of my favorite bands, you know, and I'm, he, I'm, I'm and not acknowledged. That's dope that he acknowledged it. But, yeah. for, but just for the record, he should have said that first and then say, yo, could you put my name up for the publishing? But anyway, <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. but that was cool when you guys did it. And I already saw you dipping your feet in those waters. And I always thought you should go in those type of waters from the style of music you play, like your style. You always had a melodic and like, I don't want to say sound garden-ish, but that type of layered guitar where there's layers and you know melodies going. Eventually what later Leeway was doing, how they were stacking guitars, sure, you know. Sure, yeah, like, the stack you know, guitars doing you know, a wall and then a little melody guitar track doing some other shit and that. And then, so you, you right after that, you, you're dipping that. Now, King's Bounty, right? Is that's next, right? No, actually, I... I, I before King's Bounty, I briefly did uh, I did a, an album with a band yeah. called Sinam. An with, album with, you did? I did an album, yeah. Uh, I, I did a project with 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 Justice uh, Trip from uh, from Angel Dust. Oh, I didn't know that. And and I, I I I yeah, like uh, it like I had I had compiled some like what I would consider being more like modernized like crown of thorn stuff yeah mixed with breakdown stuff like sort of like what i would you know just everything mishmash together uh-huh and i was like oh, i got like a stack of songs i like who can i get to front this and dean was like he's like you should have justice sing on this because he he's actually influenced by your, your older bands so he happened to be playing at santos party house that night and he's like, well, why don't we just go down there and ask him? So we just was like, yo, what's up? You want to sing on some tunes? Like, he's like, bet. You know, so like, so he killed the first song that, that he sang on, the song called Comeback. And, you know, so we were like, all right, dope. Let's do a record. We end up doing a record on Reaper, uh, you know, for that, for that album. And uh, he stayed at my house for three weeks and we told each other stories you know, at, at my right here, right at this table uh -huh. uh, about our life experiences, you know, and all the lyrical content of that record are all personal experiences he and I had, you know, cool. like, you know, on, on, you know, on separate, you know, yeah, separate instances. And um, so, you know, when I would ask him, I was like, you know, he, he'd ask me he'd like, what's your favorite band of all time? And I was like, I, you know, Led Zeppelin. He's like, which album? He's, I, was, I was like, Physical Graffiti. You know, that's that's my favorite Zeppelin record from my favorite band. I was like, what's your favorite record? He goes, Mentally Vexed. I was like, get the fuck out of no way. Like, I was like, you know, I, you know, I thought it was just like joke. And, and he's like, nah, like Mentally Vexed is my favorite record. And he takes his shirt off and he has Mentally Vexed tattooed across his chest. Yeah. And I was just like, 
I guess it is, you know, (laughs) you know, so like, so being that I was, I was doing a band with a, with an up and coming, you know, front man, you know, who, you know, you know, he's like, he's, he's got the look, he's got tattoos. He's, you know, he could belt out the songs. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm older. I, I consider it a privilege to play with someone younger. You know what I mean? Just to, to, to not feel out of step, like out of, yeah. you know, not in tune with the younger kids. And, and it was something fulfilling for him to get to jam with someone who influenced him. So we sort of, it, it was, it was good energy. Yeah. Great, great energy. Uh, we, we, we did a string of like weekend, weekend shows, East coast. Uh, we played New York a few times. We played the, the, the infamous, uh, Webster Hall show that, that didn't finish. Oh, okay. Okay. No one. All right. I wasn't. Yeah. The one that got, you know, the, there. I wasn't there. No one that I didn't know about that. That wasn't there. Yeah. 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 I, you know, with that, whether, where that altercation, the, the sick of it all Cro-Mag show. Yeah. But, but, uh, Sinam got to play. Absolution got to play and VOD got to play. Oh, all right. And then and then the incident happened and they shut the show down. Uh-huh. So like uh actually like the fly I framed the flyer of that show and I have it on my wall because it's like you go, a little history right yeah, there. You know, it's a hit yeah, it's, it's a historical show. Then so, you're around for a bit with them and then but with the what the with the whole Q unique band, that did that wasn't into play yet with that. And when that happened, did it have how fast did that happen? Because oh happened that shit took Cause that kind of took off once it started taking off, it kind of built up quick, quick, you know? Yeah. So the, 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 the story behind that, I, uh, I was, I was roadieing a Chromags gig and, uh, it was, I was driving and, and Riggs was teching. Shout out to Rig Ross. Shout out to my brother as hell. Cliff, Clifford. Clifford, the, yeah, dog. Yeah, another no more dog. But yo, Clifford. Yeah, like uh, so we were working on the show, and Craig Satari had uh, looked at me and Riggs, and he's like, he's like, yo, you guys ever jam together? And we're like, nah. He's like, because you should, you know, like you know, because because Riggs could fucking, you know, he could hit hard, man. He, you know, he's he's got, he's like, he doesn't play like a white boy. Yeah. You know, so like, and that was always my thing. Like, like in Queens growing up, like stylistically, yeah, because of our influences. Like, you know, you know, we grew up in a neighborhoods a mile mile apart, right? Swag. Queens has a swag. Swag. We had a yeah. swing. Yeah. Like, you know, like where you could, like, you could yeah. mosh or you could do this. Yeah. You could just have this, like, just yeah, shoulder shrug. Thing and, and we, we called it that East Coast bounce. Yeah. And you know, and like if you didn't have it, it's because like you, you know, you you just didn't listen to hip hop or you didn't, yeah. you know, like you know, because the, the hip hop and, and the hardcore were like a parallel thing going on at the same time. And and you and I tap from that, you know, like definitely in Mad Ball, it is present Big all time. the time. Yes. You know, just that, you know, that that groove bounce that you could shake, shake your hips to. Like if a girl was shaking the, the hips yeah. to a bad ball song, it wouldn't look weird. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, what I mean? you, know you, you shut that off. You put a dance tune on. She could dance the same way to it. 
Because the older generation, their swag was um listening to the Sabbaths and the and the Zeppelins. We did too, but we had hip hop also. So we heard a bounce in a different way. It was a swag, but we heard a bounce, a bigger bounce. So it was more exaggerated, more, more boom, mm, mm. it had a little bit more attitude. Absolutely. New York had you New York that sound always had that yeah. attitude. Absolutely. The the nine the nineties wave of New York hardcore, it was peppered everywhere. All the bands had it because yeah. of what we were listening to. Yeah. So um so I was like, because I remember seeing Riggs play with Mad Ball and and so like, yeah, he's got that swing. You know what I mean, oh, yeah. like, you know, he can, you know, he's not stiff. He, you know, one of Mad Ball's best drummers ever, Rick Ross. Yeah, absolutely. So I started jamming with him and we started writing some songs together. And he had told me that he's like, yo, I'm in some other project with this guy, Q Unique. And I didn't know who Q Unique was because I'm not, I'm not like deep, like, yeah. or knowledgeable about that scene, you know, meaning the, uh, Q Unique was like a big player in underground rap scene. Yeah, big in the underground hip hop scene. Yeah, you got it. Yes, he was rock he was steady in, and break dancing and rhyming. So yeah, yeah, you know, like excellent break dancer, and and uh, and and he was in a you know a, a really heavy touring uh, rap group called the Arsonists. Yep. In in the nineties, so I didn't know any. All I know is that Riggs is. He's jamming with this guy Q, and he's like, he's like, he's like, yo, this dude could sing, and he's like, I'm doing some like sort of like rap rock thing with him, but you should get down with this. And I was like, I was like, well, let me hear the what they have, and I didn't easily digest what they were playing, you know, yeah. like exactly what he said. It was sort of like half melodic, a little bit rappy. I think Q was sort of like finding, finding his way in a rock band. So Riggs was like, he's like, nah, he's like, dude, go in, just start writing new shit with this dude. He goes, you guys will take off. And no doubt he was right. Cause like uh, the minute I got into a, a room with this kid, we were just banging songs out. Yeah. Like a night. We, we start a song, finish a song, start a song, finish a song. And um, and it was a new genre for me. It was something where like, I, you know, going from learning how to play pop, now I have to learn how to play like radio rock. Yeah. And it's, it's a completely different animal. So I have to write these epic choruses. I have to write sort of... Uh, Versus that where the singer could carry the song and not yeah. the riff. Yeah. Right. So like if you, you know, as, as a hardcore writer, you uh, like hardcore singers, they scream and, and the, tonally they're at one level. Yeah. So you have to make your riffs as interesting as possible to dance around what, what the vocalist is doing in this instance, it's sort of the opposite. You have to like let the singer breathe because if you write something too busy, yeah, he it can't do. Yeah, he, he he can't use his skills. So, and I was like, wow, this guy's got so much range, and 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 he's and he's mad cool, and you know, and you know, we had this like Brooklyn Queens 
like banter. We don't, we're always dissing each other. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, because he's Puerto Rican and Italian. Yeah. And, you know, so he comes off as a homeboy and a Guido at the same time. <laughs> so, he's a Puerto so, Guido. Like, Shout out to Q Unique Puerto Guido. I just came he, up with that just for you. He's, he's fucking, you know, this, this Puerto Guido. So, like, you know, anytime I'd say something queasy, hey, hold on, a Puerto Guido. Ho, Puerto Guido. <laughs> yeah but yeah no um it was dope when when i heard that you guys had hooked up to me i bugged out too because it was like again such a weird combo i would never put you together but it was dope because both you dudes are good dudes i know you for many years and i got to tour with him when i was on the warp tour with hazen street and he was on tour with ill bill that you know uh, yeah when they were on tour with um um we're fucking um, what they um, uh, nonfiction. Nonfiction, yeah. yeah. So shout out to nonfiction and Bill and all of them. But um, that's what we hooked up with Q Unique. And I just want to say real quick, everybody out there, do not play Uno with Q Unique. He's a fucking cheater. He will cheat every hand, <laughs> and right in front of you, he will cheat. But y'all, mad love to Q Unique. But fucking um, but we got to hang out a lot there. And then when we fast forward, he was doing the band with you, and I, he would always pop up at shows. It was dope, like that you guys connected, man. Yeah, I mean, and also I also made a lifelong friend with him as well because, like, uh, you know, I spent so much time at his house because he had the you know the small little room to record in, where to me that's gold. Having yeah. that type of freedom where you could just go, no one's telling you your time is up. You know, you just let the ideas flow till whenever till you pass out. And I became friends with you know with his son, with his wife. And, you know, and I consider them family yeah. and, and vice versa. And he mentioned the, the warp tour that, that was Hazen street, right? Yeah. That was yep. like you and Mackie. Yep. We were and, in Hazen. And, and, so. and, and Toby and Freddie. And, and he told me that's where he had met you guys. And then like, you know, you guys yeah. were chilling together on that tour. So at the end of that tour, the, the organizer of that tour approached him and said that the bass player from Corn Fieldy was looking to do like a collaboration. He needs someone to do beats for him. So he goes, I think you guys would be like like a, a good match. So he didn't know who Fieldy was. He just sort of yeah. like, so whatever, I'll, I'll go meet this dude, you know? Yeah. So he flies to California to meet him, you know, and you know, and they were at, you know, still, but at the time huge you know they sold 35 million records so you know so, you know he's in you know taking a taxi to somewhere in the hills in cali to, to, this, to this mansion to meet fieldy he's like what the fuck did i just walk into you like what is this so they again you know same deal small world they'll end up clicking and they did a band uh called stillwell together that uh you know they did an album and you know they, they hit it off they're still best friends to this day and um it gave q like the itch to do his own band you know to do his own like yeah. like rock thing you know they actually did a tour like opening up for disturbed yeah you know like I so it gave, that. that definitely like gave him like the itch to start something new so that brought me into the equation because he was jamming with Riggs. Yeah. And, and then like, you know, so we got a batch of songs and then, and another coincidence is that when Madball was 
doing the uh, UK run with corn and Limp Bizkit. Yep. Uh, head from corn asked Q if King's Bounty would play out in California with them. Ah. So, you know, like you guys, you were actually chilling with Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are course. sending when me I photos. S- you guys are sending me photos. What's up? Like, yeah, like, when, when, when he popped up, I was, I was, in, I was wondering, yo, is Q going to be with them? And I think on purpose, he didn't hit me back to, 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 to pop up on me. And then we were there and then boom, you know, he popped up and I was like, I was amped to see him. You know, it was dope, you know, again, to be able yeah. to break bread overseas and shit. And yeah. he even told me, he even told me like, you know, being on Warp Tour and seeing us, you know, he always had that thing wanting to be a frontman for a band. And then when he saw us, he was like, yo, that shit gave him some fire too. Like, what I like is that I've heard that in the past, you know, people automatically assume like to to do, let's say be a, a certain position in the band, you got to be, a, come from a certain type of background or demographics. He saw that, yo, we were dudes just like him, you know. We love hip hop. We don't dress the part for what we do, maybe. But yet we're in a hardcore band and we play live. And he was like, yo, I want, you know, you could do whatever you want. I think what he had was he just needed to be cracked open. Like he was holding himself back. Like, yo, you know, I want to be a front man. But, you know, I'm a rapper. Can I do it? You know, can I not? It's different. You know, I know all these things go through your head when you're doing different types of music. And he even told me, you know, seeing the Hazen Street where it was like similar, like minded dudes doing something else, but owning it. And then he was like, and that's why I was psyched to see him doing it. When I saw the band, I was like even more blown away that I thought it was going to be more hip hop mixed than it was. Because I was like, oh, obviously he's going to use what. He has the most. And then when I saw he could sing, it was dope because I actually I got a new band I'm working on. And actually he had demoed on a song for me because I was going to have him on a song or two. I still want him to jump on the one track he did because he was dope. And, you know, he has a dope style. And I love it that he he could sing without rapping. Yeah, I mean, mean, actually, like when we when we started writing together, like, you know, when he was putting his vocals together. I was just like, you know, he would still like fall back on maybe doing some screaming, uh-huh. to, you know, to because he would think that, oh, I could, you know, scream then and then rap vocal yeah. and then rap and do this, you know, just throw his whole arsenal in there. And I was like, you know, not for nothing, your melodic voice sounds better than your screaming and your rapping well, voice yeah. for this. I go, feel free just to sing. You, I was like, you could do this. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah, man. Like, like you've got the talent. You've got, you know, the, like the, the ear for it. Yeah. Go for it. And he, and that gave him the confidence just to let go of the, of the, of some say he would fall back on and just explore something he hasn't done before. And that's when the band really started gelling and, and started sounding like this, you know, this, it like its own entity. Because yeah. like it's a story in itself for like a, a hardcore kid, you, you know what I mean? Like a, a true blood hardcore kid and a and a true blood rapper. Yeah. To do a radio rock band. Yeah, yeah, no. together. It's just it's it, it, and it, nobody it, had done it like that. You know, there's been post kind of hardcoreish bands, but this mix was a cool mix, like. Q unique with his fucking background, you with your background, then doing the band that you guys ended up doing, 
you know, it's cool. It was a good little, it was something fresh, you know, like as far as, you know, even the mix of people involved and the sound of the music that you guys ended up doing, which was cool. And it was big. And no, and I was going to say right now, I know he's doing, he turned up with the Stillwell shit. And I know all this shit's, I mean, everybody's kind of on a downtime and whatever. What's, what's the latest thing musically for you? On, on any platform or what's going to be the next move. Uh, all right. So, uh, so obviously the, 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 the King's bounty, uh, band like is, is still active. We've got a stack of tunes. Oh, good. So you you know, we're, we're, on. we're just working on like, you know, releasing it proper where it'll get enough support where, we could actually go out and tour for it because like, you know, the, so a bank so shot up really quick and we did like, a you know, like multiple runs with, with corn without being on a label. So, which is all great, but yeah. you, you can't sustain uh, being on tour with a band that big without some sort of support. It's actually almost impossible yeah, to do absolutely. what we did DIY. Like, like, you know, we, we actually like, you know, on our own dime, like you know did the, the van rentals and whatever we had to do like chasing the buses yeah people like, don't understand you know, what to, it, what, keep what up with these dudes but gasoline like, buses food um, food, hotels all, all, everything all, all that we you know because how often do you get to play yeah. main support for a legendary band yeah. you you just do it you know so i got, got songs stacked away and and you know obviously you want to pick up when that shit picks up yeah. But, so, but if that's the next. Your, your main priority once shit starts opening up is King that, Bounty. Uh, that and and uh, uh, I think uh, Outburst because I've been playing with them for the last they, few years and and the uh, there's the, the, up, uh, right? there's a resurgence with young kids that are just crazed about Outburst. For, yes. You know, uh, they connect well with the younger crowd, so we're, we're yeah. getting offers. To, to play and and we're going to be doing some outburst stuff any uh music, any new, new outburst i'm not not, not come, sure. on, come on stop playing games if you motherfucker want to come back you got to throw at least a new song dude if uh if listen i want you to send the, the outburst crew a message for me this is from a from a from a guy in the game also a fan do a new track and then re, you could re, re, on the next song you redo one of the classic tracks and you drop those two out for the people. You heard it here first, the smoking word, a new outburst track, and then you redo a classic. Boom! You know everybody's you, happy. You know what? I, I I will convey that message because I don't need anyone twisting my arm. You tell <laughs> me I'm, I got to do that. I'll write a tune. I'll do whatever I got to do. So you I'm, know, my 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 beef is this with the, with the older bands. I love when the older bands come back, but don't just come back. Bring something. Even don't worry about what. Give us something, and then boom, and then we'll go back to the old dishes. You know what I mean? Show us that you want to fucking keep giving and not just taking. And I ain't saying outburst specifically, but right. I love it when the old guys like. That's what I loved about Killing Time. They kept trying to put out music breakdown kept putting out music that's what you know it don't got to be records but i'd like to hear new everybody out there who wants to hear a new outburst song hit mike dijon and outburst though right well yeah. fucking i will i will convey that message yeah shout out to outburst and i and again i'm glad what you know when i see um bands from the my youth coming back 
But listen, I want to I want to play we're gonna play a little game. I got a game called the 12 12 in the clip segment. All right. I'm just gonna rattle off some shit to you and you pick one and then uh, you know, and we take it from there. Very simple, right? So all right. Black Sabbath Le- or Led Zeppelin. Oh, Led Zeppelin. Fender or Gibson? Gibson. Sneaker or boots? Oh, sneakers. Yeah, yeah, like you know, you know, Carhartt, like you know, Timberland's on stage now. Slow or fast? Oh shit! (laughs) Slow. This one was my favorite for you. Toga party or yoga party? (laughs) Oh shit! Yoga party, of course. But I'll go to toga party. Slayer or Metallica? Slayer, fucking all day. Bad Brains or the Ramones? Bad Brains. Masha Stage Dive. Stage Dive. Takes more balls. Punk or metal? Metal. That's a story for you. I love that, too. (laughs) That's that's Corona, too. Yeah, metal, bro. Uh, Bass or drums? Oh, bass. I was waiting for that fucking answer. Hell yeah. I broke my cherry. So damn. That's what I'm saying. I was waiting for y'all to say, don't fuck up now. <laughs> yeah, they're right. Fix or break? I'm a fixer, so I say fix. Yeah, you are. You're a fixer. That's yeah. for sure. All right. Eat it or smoke it? That shit should be for me. Oh, I'll eat it. You smoke it. <laughs> yeah. All right, real quick. I want to give you a word and you tell me the first thing that comes into your head, all right? all right? Yoga. Peace. Woke. Always. Hummus. Peter. I love hummus. <laughs> Hip hop. Public enemy. Mackie. The greatest. Love you, Maggie. Love Astoria. you, Maggie. Astoria. Crown jewel of New York City. I think a Demi, but yeah, same yeah. thing. <laughs> Meat. Oh, one word? Anywhere you think, my word is meat, and whatever you think that pops you said, in your you head. You said meat or meat? Meat, M E A T. Oh, meat. Uh, Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pepperoni, also. Meat, pepperoni. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bundy Blessers, Bless Smoke Radio. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bundy. <laughs> And the definition on the meat in the dictionary is going to be Bundy's face. <laughs> um, COVID. Uh, later. Later, Ezek. COVID. Ezek. Crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think a red, crazy, and a bunch of other shit. Crazy. Last one. New York hardcore. Family. Mikey Dijon. I'm fucking so glad I was able to catch up with you. I've been waiting for a while. I had you on deck, but now was even a good time because I had you still in my brain from the weekend because I know we had seen the pictures or whatever. And I was like, 
you know what? Let me get Mikey Dijon while I could get him, you know? So, yeah, no, I, I, I really, really appreciate it. I, I had so much fun and, um, you know, to, uh, just to get some FaceTime with you. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're like up and down the East coast, but you know, when we see each other, we see each other. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, no time has passed. This was different this time because yeah. we felt like, you know, it's not like, Oh, I haven't seen this dude in a year and we're just shooting the shit now. You know, we yeah. were separated for a year. Exactly. Through, through the circumstances. And then when we get to see each other again, it it's, has, it's more meaning. Yeah, exactly. More meaningful. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and, and even again, like we talked about everything happening special and especially with you, you know, certain guys, you, especially with crown of thorns as a band that goes back to, you know, my first things with this, with as a being in a band, my first tours, that was my second, third tour with you. You know, I was doing, we were living, the, at, we've been going through the same shit since we're little kids from our first band to yeah. our first experience touring, kind of the same. So after this weekend, it made sense. Again, for all you heathens out there, I believe in God. I don't, you can believe in whatever you want, but I believe in a God and I believe in energy and the forces that be. And that's why shit like this, happens you know you were supposed to pop on it's a big circle and that's how i wanted it It wasn't thought out like that but go figure you know that's yeah. i wanted my boys to break bread with my people and especially during these special times now that's special you know what just happened you know yeah it's I'm a part of everybody it's just you know yeah, I can't it's, see it's it. a strange it, these are strange days it's it's a strange time in the world so like you know if i get to you know, have this experience now and get to shoot with shit with you, my, my, my lifelong friend, I'm grateful and I'm thankful. So, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I mean. A thousand percent. Dijon, I love you. I'm glad I was Thank able to see you, you on this and see you at the shows. You know, what's up. Hopefully we could play in person soon, not play with each other, but play with each other. Yeah. You know exactly. I mean? <laughs> yeah share, share the stage. Share yes. the stage. I already shared the fucking uh, the, the back bunks with you for, for a couple of years, so there's no yeah. shame in my game. But yo, mad love to you, everybody. Check out Dijon. Follow him. Follow King's Bounty. Follow Breakdown. Shout out to Breakdown. Follow everything Dijon does. Yo, one love, Dijon. I'll let you know this is going to drop this Thursday, and we talk soon, bro. All right? Thank you. I actually, I, I, got, I got some new hardcore shit in the pipe, too. So, like, oh, all right. Really That'll when be that shit comes out with your new band. I'll have the whole band on the show so we can just talk new shit. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Yo, Thank one you, love, Dijon. All right. Love you, brother. Be out. One love. Man, man, man.